Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. We got a big show for you guys here on the Owl Chat Podcast. We are here to recap the Stetson win and the Florida Gulf Coast win. I am here joined um, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, producer Nick, and as always, Owl's leading rebounder, Aaron Anderson. And we have a very special guest also with us today. But, John, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce him for us. Yeah, uh, we have a very special guest, uh, somebody in my inbox guessing Markeith Cummings when I put the clue out. We had a four-year starter. I was like, good guess. But, no, you would be wrong. We are joined today by John Michael Nickerson, more affectionately known as J-Mac. J-Mac was a four-year starter uh, for, for Kennesaw State in the aughts. If you haven't seen him play, he's a pretty good all-around uh, lefty, could shoot a little bit, play a little bit inside, all that kind of stuff, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, forward type. Um, since then, J-Mac has gone into the coaching world, was a grad assistant at uh, Memphis, then uh, spent, I think, a year or two at IUPUI under coach Jason Gardner, which is D1, and then has spent the last seven years at uh, Sandy Creek. Um, I think he won, you know, he was won six regional titles or whatnot, um, and a state championship uh, last year in uh, 2023. Um, I'm sure if I, I'm sure I messed something up in there, but uh, thanks for joining us, J-Mac, and uh, feel free to correct the record. Oh, it's all good. Thank you for having me. But absolute pleasure to be here. Jay Mac, awesome. uh, you started at Kennesaw, what, 2005, 2006? Yeah, 2006 was my first year, 2006. Gotcha. So I think uh, other than maybe a gap between like 2013 and 15, we've got just about every four-year period at KSU on this call from like 2005 till now. So that's a that's a pretty cool little nugget. Yeah, that's good for you guys. Getting a lot of good representation. Of course. Yeah, and I, and I actually heard that uh, you might have been uh, Aaron's host on the recruiting visit. Any uh, fun uh, details you can share there? We may or may not have gotten Aaron into club opera underage. Uh, that is uh, need to know basis. But uh, uh, we we showed him the Atlanta nightlife, and uh, he had a great time. Man, and uh, Aaron was he. We obviously killed it on the visit. He committed, and uh, the rest is history. He ended up being the all-time leading rebounder and somebody I wish I got to play, uh, the chance to play with because every time I got to watch him, he played with that motor and that passion and that fire that, man, it's just, uh, it's you can win with dudes like that. And that's the dudes you want to play with and go to war with in basketball. I appreciate that, J-Mac. I would have, I would have signed my, my LOI, my letter of intent with you on that visit on that Saturday night, if I could have, that was, uh, I was joking around with you before. Like you were the reason I, I signed with Kennesaw and Kennesaw State. And obviously a little tongue in cheek, but I mean, you, you were a great host. Um, you got a guy from Tucson, Arizona to fly across the country and sign at Kennesaw State, a place I've never heard of prior to getting out there. So, um, I mean, you guys laid the foundation for guys like me too. So we, we appreciate you for sure. Yeah, man. What was that uh, first conversation like with Coach Engel, Aaron? First conversation with Coach Ingle, I, first of all, I don't think he even knew who I was. It was uh, I was heavily by, by Coach Roth. Uh, but Coach Ingle, he had a he had a way of making you feel like like you were the most important person in the room at all times. So he was he had a few jokes in there for me that I'm sure he recycled quite a bit. Um, he he just he was a great great dude overall. Like he, you always felt comfortable with Coach Ingle, and and he always had some 
some jokes and and some some one-liners lined up for you but uh it was a good time some laughs and i think he 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 might have pulled out the the letter of intent on my visit and basically like hey are you gonna sign this or what like it was it was uh you know he was all business at that point so it was a uh memorable uh he's a great man and i love playing for him yeah aaron you probably only got 10 words in that two-hour conversation too yeah if that <laughs> if that for sure and uh you know also probably recruited your buddy uh, mirza was he on the visit as well mirza was on the yeah, visit yeah yeah he doesn't need any kind of fake id that guy i think probably had a mustache i'm guessing from like 14 uh just uh who knows but uh yeah we i'm glad we got you here so jmac is indirectly uh responsible for uh you know, building up the cast of the Owl Chat podcast. So we thank you, J-Mac, for all your contributions unknowingly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'd like to add that I hosted five people in my career. Four of them signed immediately, and the fifth transferred back to Kennesaw after he went somewhere else. So He's batting we, had, we had some good times. Yeah, <laughs> they were putting kids with me for a reason. <laughs> and that's why you're a coach now, right? You know how to take care of kids and put them on visits and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if the players that play for me now would say that right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty I imagine there was maybe a little bit more of a struggle with the uh, Indianapolis nightlife when you were uh, coaching up there. Yeah, uh, well, it was it, it was pretty fun too. There's some good, there's some good areas in Indianapolis, and it was actually the best town in our in our league. So it made recruiting. We got to mask the weaknesses of you know whatever's going on around with the the program. We got to mask the weaknesses because the the, the city the city was much better than the other cities in the in the conference. Fair enough. You weren't driving kids down an hour south to go look at corn. I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> no, never that. Stay away from the corn. George Hill went to IUPUI, if I'm not mistaken, right? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time in. And he was involved too. Yeah. Really? That's, that's good to hear. And, yes, sir. Yeah, and Kai, this is a good time to mention that you are a Pacers fan for some reason. I am reason. a Pacers fan for weird reasons. Oh, uh, well, me and the assistant at that time, Scotty Gillespie, we were we were the first to see Tyrese Halliburton his freshman year up in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We went on a Wisconsin recruit trip and we were his first offer. And I mean, we knew like we knew like seeing him like there's no way he's going to be good enough for us in his senior year. But that's that's always a cool thing we get to talk about whenever we catch up. That's awesome. Yeah, he, uh, he's banged up right now. Hopefully he uh, heals up quickly because he's a fun watch. Yeah, he's amazing. Great but, teammate, um, too, look, from the looks of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely seems like it. But um, let's uh, let's get into the games, guys. Um, we'll start with uh, the Wednesday game against Stetson. Obviously, I'll just go ahead and summarize it real quick for those who didn't watch, and then we'll go around the room and just kind of give initial thoughts. Um, so for a change, KSU came out hot out the gate, uh, jumping out to a 22 to 14 lead. Uh, Stetson did rally, and we had a few lead changes midway through the first half. Um, what didn't change was the Owls' ability to close a half strong as they took a 44 to 35 lead into the break. Um, at the beginning of the second, I think a lot of people were expecting Stetson to kind of rally and make this a closer game than it was. Um, but KSU came out hot again, extended their lead to double digits. Um, Stetson did draw back within 10 at around the uh, seven minute mark. Um, but other than that, the Owls pretty much cruised, even with Terrell Burden being limited um, with three fouls that he picked up early in the second half um, to a final score of 88 to 70. DeMond Robinson was also kind of limited. Um, reasons sort of unknown. We weren't sure if it was just a precautionary thing with the injury or if it was just like what Petway said. He didn't want to take Ranji Gordon out because he was playing really well. 
Um, Robinson led the way in the scoring column in only just 25 minutes, had 19 points on eight of nine shooting um, and hauled in eight boards off the bench. Jamel King had a return to form, uh, scoring 14 and hitting four of six from deep. So, John, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts, comments, concerns about the uh, route of Stetson? No, I, I thought we played. I thought we played great, especially in the second half. Um, you know, we really hunkered down on defense, and you know those guys. Those guys were uh, shook by the end of it. I thought, um, you know, Blackman got his, especially in the first half. But you know, nobody else was really eating for them. Uh, Swenson, Oglesby didn't have great nights from the field. We shut those guys down. So you know, I, I thought Cottle took it personally on uh, his uh, assignment on Blackman, and um, you know, just the intensity that he brought. It was just very contagious. And you know, when you shoot fifty four percent, and I'm not counting Chuck Stone's uh, two shots, when you shoot fifty four percent from three. Um, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna do great things. At one point in the second half, um, before the walk-ons checked in, I think we were 15 of 18 from the field, which is pretty nuts. But um, like you said, Blackman got his, but the Stetson bench just could not keep up. Before their um, you know uh, end of bench guys checked in against ours, I think they only had four bench points and they finished with nine. So, um, Aaron, what did you think of the game? I mean, yeah, I'll just echo kind of what John had mentioned it and add on. You know, we out rebounded them. 42 to 29, um, which is always great. And with shooting above 50% or right at 50% with the, with the Chuck Stone threes, um, we, we can't, like you're expecting a game like this, right? We, I think going into the game, we were a little worrisome or hesitant to declare a, you know, a great game from, from Kennesaw state and declare a win as rightfully so Stetson's a, a solid team in the conference. Um, but we just played, we played well, we came out strong. Um, we, we, finished we finished strong um really no weakness i mean we played pretty solid throughout the entire game top to bottom um it was a, it was a good game to watch and i love to see that rebounding margin like that and again when you when you shoot the ball the way we did you're going to see a lot of lopsided wins uh, like this one yeah those uh chuck stone shots were uh, pretty ugly i think one of them he was wide open in the corner and it went a cool two feet over the basket um part of me wonders if like the other walk-ons get <laughs> irritated you know that they don't get their looks but um i digress uh jay mac i'm not sure if you watched but did you have any thoughts or comments on the stetson game yeah man uh um uh, a couple things that i noticed was obviously their stetson was very one-dimensional with black men taking most of the shots and really hunting coming off those uh those staggers and those those pin downs and stuff like that um he did that that kid's an amazing player first of all and he is he's extremely dynamic but what I loved was the def defensive ball pressure Kennesaw was putting on the, the rest of the, the rest of the roster. They were really trying to cut down vision um, and, and make and, and disrupt the timing of those passes coming off those screens for him. And what I love most about Kennesaw's roster makeup is the balance. They got they got bigs that can score back to the basket. They got really long athletic wings that are switchable and defense uh versatile defensively and just the playmaking ability of coddle and burden at the same time it, it it makes them extremely dynamic and when they're all when they're sharing the ball and they're all playing together the the balanced attack from them it was way too much for stetson to handle um every like the wings were hitting their threes uh the bigs were scoring back to the basket um you know obviously burden and coddle were, were we're playmaking like they do usually. And just the balance, it, it made them unstoppable. Stetson had zero answer for Kennesaw's attack the entire night. 
especially the second half. Yeah, you talk about some of the defensive adjustments. Um, Nick called me after the game because um, he just had to get uh, the thought of his mind. Nick, I know you had the best look at it. You want to talk about some of the adjustments uh, Petway made in that second half? I don't even know if it was a full second half adjustment because I don't know if it stuck. But the first thing I noticed out of the second half was they stopped taking a lot of those three-point shots. And the biggest reason why, I, I they moved to a – a, a zone formation. I don't know how you would necessarily classify this in like actual basketball terms, but they moved to a zone and they had all the bigs and wings on the perimeter and Terrell was playing inside because and no one was getting through. They weren't getting shots off. I mean, in the second half, they were one of eight from three point, like, and they took 21 attempts in the first half. So immediately there, you're cutting that down in half. And I think a big reason was you had a larger presence on the perimeter. Like DeMond was not playing inside nearly as much as he did to start that second half. That was just the biggest thing that I noticed <laughs> because I stand right behind that basket uh, on the line or on the baseline there. And I was like, what's Terrell doing under the basket? <laughs> and then I was like looking around, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, all right, this is a, this is a different formation. I kind of like this. It's working. Mm. Yeah, it was a one from, from your angle, um, Nick, it's uh, it's like you always got to be looking or past DeMond. You know, he's going to be in your way. So I guess that would kind of stand out. Just a little bit. <laughs> and J-Mac, uh, what were they – what do you think uh, KSU was going after there from a coach's perspective? Uh, man, you're just trying to sprinkle in a little defense, uh, defensive change with the, with the zone. They, it was a one-three-one. Um, and even the broadcast team said it was the first time that they had seen it all season. I believe I could be wrong about that, but it was the first time they'd shown it. And sometimes you, especially when conference play opens up, coaches like to keep things in their back pocket and then they throw at the other team. So they're not prepared for it in the scout. Uh, cause you know, Donnie Jones for Stetson, the head coach, he's been around the block a long time, man. He's seen a lot and you always got to have tricks for coaches that are that experienced. So he, he, and plus Blackman was so was so dynamic with his shot making ability you, you got to do stuff to just like throw his rhythm off yeah and i've been i've been kind of begging you know for like last month you know mix up the defenses a little bit more give us something you know give us something else um you know just something new and i'm glad you know i saw that during the game and i had to like you know do a, a double look you know like am i actually seeing this we're finally you know going away from man a little and i'm glad it worked and i hope we see you know more of it i mean we have players like holt and king and even adam mccoya that we can you know game plan around and even robinson we can do some stuff with because he is athletic for a big and you know north florida shoots a lot not to get into the next game but you know north florida shoots a lot of uh, three pointers. So I think we're going to, you know, might see some interesting stuff there, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And my second favorite ace on team, North Florida, who has improved to two and one in conference, John, but you know, you still hating. Um, one thing I did want to talk about was Jamel King's performance. He had kind of had a rough stretch. I think he only had three points over three games, um, but he busts out and he had 14 points on four of six shooting from deep four of seven from the field. Um, Jason Holt had, kind of a rougher night. He's slowed down a lot since Indiana. Um, and this point is a little bit moot now because, you know, uh, they both had kind of average nights um, against Florida Gulf Coast. But I did want to bring up, um, because these two are kind of digging into each other's minutes, um, where do we go with the Jason Hall-Jamel King rotation conversation? John, I know you're eager to add to this. I just want to start on this one because I think um, somebody told me, and maybe Aaron you, or J-Mac, you can verify, but 
at, a, at like the halftime interview or the post-game interview. I didn't watch it on TV. I was there. Uh, Coach Petway mentioned King was dealing with a wrist injury or something like that. Can you guys verify that, that he said that? Was that he had Florida his, Gulf Coast or Stetson? I think that was the Stetson game because it was, I think okay. it was post-game Stetson. And he was, you know, dealing with some kind of wrist injury and he had his best day of practice in a couple of weeks or something like that. I was just told that by a KSU fan. I didn't see it, so I can't verify, but I just want to kind of get that in there. He he did mention it was his best day of practice leading into that game. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think uh, on Tuesday. Um, and I think, Kai, you made a great point. They're going to they're going to steal each other's minutes, right? They're they're play similar roles they're long lengthy athletic wings um and we've talked about it with with jamal king quite a bit he's gonna be he's gonna play off feel and play off rhythm right so he's not gonna really be a traditional you know 30 to 35 percent three-point shooter where he's knocking in a couple every game he's getting a lot of looks i mean he's gonna go on streaks where he's four for six like he was against stetson and where he's you know oh for four oh for five like he has done a few times this season he he's going to be a streaky player just the way he plays and he, he gets his rhythm offensively and defensively. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's going to be something that we're gonna have to see how the entire season plays out. Obviously they're going to take minutes and, and whoever is on a hot streak that game or feeling it is going to get more looks, more minutes. So uh, I'm not concerned really about either of them. I know that wasn't the question that was posed, but um, having both, having two guys like that can, that can do relatively similar, you know, things on the court, um, you're gonna get gonna get good offensive input from from both of them or output, uh, but the defensive side of the ball is is where you're gonna get a lot of the their work and uh, defensively and rebounding. I think they both showed up uh, both the, the the conference games against Setson and Florida Gulf Coast. Mm. Obviously, um, you know if there was a wrist injury that changes things, but um, King did play 22 minutes against Stetson um, and had you know his best night in a while. Um, is there a way we can kind of just mix him in as like an energy bench guy more so than like a nine, you know, nine to 12 minute a night guy, which is what he was for a couple of weeks. And like I said, obviously if there was an injury, then that completely changes things. But, um, I would really want to see that happen. Yeah. J Mac, what is your take on, you know, playing them together and having two guys that can do this kind of, do this kind of stuff. I, I love, uh, when you got two six, six plus like physical, physical athletic wings out there that it makes your defense much more versatile. Um, I, 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 you could even, I'm sure Aaron did this when he was in college is, you know, I, he was a four, but like we had to play the wing at a lot of times too. And we were their size, put on some mass and you could play some small ball five every now and again with those dudes. If they, if they really want to get nasty and, and toughen up and guard some of those fives. I know like the Kellerman kid for Florida Gulf Coast would be a tough cover for some of them guys, but you could even do that with their defensive uh, ability and their athleticism. Um, but yeah, like uh, King really going to depend on his decision-making early on. Petway's going to get a feel for his decision-making. And sometimes if it's going to be a not like what uh, I was talking about, it's going to be a nine to 12 minute game. If his decision-making is rocking, he's trying to force plays early on because he, he may be fearing that he may not get the ball uh, and, and touches later on because the shot's going to go up so quick. But uh, if, if they could try to get those wings going early, um, it's, it's just really going to benefit them because you can count on DeMond scoring up from what I saw. He, he's a reliable scorer in the paint. And uh, obviously, you know, Cottle and Burden are going to be playmaking all game long. So if they can really focus on making sure two of those three wings with Adam McCoya, Holt, or, or King get really get going, man, it, it, they got a scary roster. 
you want to talk about <laughs> potentially putting Holt or uh, King at like a small ball five and just having the ultimate shooting lineup of Burden, Cottle, Adam McCoya, King, and Holt all on the floor at the same time. And J-Mac, not to interrupt you or anything like that, but that was literally in my notes for the UNF. If there's a game to do that, it's this coming game against UNF coincidentally. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Yeah, obviously there's certain games where it, that's going to be impossible, especially if there's a a, a, a five man who is just a monster on, on the on the on the block. Um, but there's there's also ways to, to play against that. You can front the post and have really good backside help built in. And uh, and they were actually doing that when they were switching on Stetson's fives, and they were doing an excellent job closing out on those skip passes on the weak side and really being there for when those shooters were getting those skip passes. So. Um, but they work, man. They hustle and they got the motors to do it. I'm not saying you've got to do it a lot, but it is it is a changeup that they have the luxury of doing. You know, uh, credit to our defense because we don't have a ton of size as a team. Um, but Stetson has, you know, a, a seven footer power five bounce back guy who shoots 50 percent from the floor. And he only played 10 minutes. Uh, maybe he was banged up or something, but he was pretty much a non-factor. I mean, we made him look terrible out there. Um, so that was really encouraging. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. Transitioning over to the big man, obviously Robinson filled up the stat sheet. He had 19 and 8. Um, but Ronji Gordon got some really good minutes um, when Robinson was held on the bench in that second half. It uh, doesn't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. Only four points, uh, three boards. But uh, Aaron, we'll start with you. What'd you think of the bigs? What'd you like? What'd you not like? I mean, yeah, we'll start with Ronji. I mean, we we know what we're what, who Ronji is at this point in the season and this point in his career. Um, and, and the thing about Ronji that I love is he also knows who he is. Like, he's not out there trying to force anything. He's he's not trying to be Damon Robinson out there. Like, he's going to give you the 14, 15 minutes in this in this case uh, when when Damon is out that he's going to fill a great role and he's going to be there to, you know, play defense, uh, be a body out there to rebound the ball. He had three block shots in, in 14 minutes against Stetson, which, I mean, that's that says enough in itself. Um I mean, going 100% from the field as well. Like, like he's not doing anything to hurt the team, uh, which is something that I know Coach Petway and staff love having your backup big man out there. Um, as far as Demon, um, you know, he was back in the starting lineup after the Queens game, as we all expected him to be. Uh, and I, I love with Demon. We know, we know, like TB and, and Simeon, they're they're great playmakers. They're great passers. I think Terrell Burden's had over 10 assists a few games this season. And not taking anything away from Terrell, but but like a lot of that is is Demon like understanding what the defense is doing and finding a, a position available to get, to get the ball to easy an easy spot on the floor to get a bucket. Um, not many of his his buckets are like difficult one on one in the post making three or four moves to to get two points. I mean, even when he's on the perimeter and he's he's doing a pick and pop or pick and roll, he is reading the defense effectively, um, which is not a lot of guys can say that. I think at the at the mid major level where they can they can understand when to pick and pop, when to slip a screen, when to when to you know to roll down in the post and seal somebody off. 
Um, I think DeMond is getting better and better on the offensive side of the ball. Not to say he wasn't this way last year, but as I spend more time watching him, like he is just a, a, a dominant big man in the way that he's going to do a lot of things that help his team win. And the Stetson game, I mean, you go eight for nine shooting, two for two from three, some eight rebounds, a couple blocks. Um, he filled the stat sheet all the way around doing all of that in 25 minutes. <clears throat> like he's, he's exactly what you want as a big man in the mid-major level. Right. So, I want to point out yeah, his, um, his three-point percentage is up to 30%, which isn't necessarily fantastic, but I think that definitely makes him a threat. You know, it makes you, uh, as a defender, have to respect that, I think. Um, it is funny because I think uh, I mentioned um, before the season started, DeMond is the all-time leader in field goal percentage at KSU, and we're like, okay, is he going to blow that by taking all these three-point shots? Um, but it seems like that's not the case. I mean, he's going like eight for nine on a nightly basis. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you, he did have tape on his leg um, for the second nine in a row. Did it look like he was moving any different to you? Because um, to me, it kind of looked fine, just business as usual. Obviously, they held him out for like a 10-minute stretch there in the second half, but um, it didn't seem like he had skipped a beat. Yeah, not at all. I think, I mean, he did have whatever happened at the Indiana in Indiana game. I mean, that might be lingering a little bit with the tape, and I'm sure – you know, going through practice day day in, day out, they're they're on the court a few hours a day. And he's probably getting some rest here and there, but they're they're probably still pushing him quite a bit. We're in the heart of the season at this point. So he's probably not getting a ton of rest. So you know Coach Petway, and maybe J Matt can speak to this as well as John, but you know, when you whenever you can give um a guy like Damon Robinson some time off, because we're up by 15, 20 points late in the second half, you're gonna do that. Especially when you have uh, a Ronji Gordon, you know, that's filling minutes that's able to to be productive and help the team as well. I mean, it's a huge plus. Yeah. And I just want to add, I did some research yesterday out of curiosity and Aaron, uh, unfortunately for us, but unfortunately for you, perhaps um, demands a field goal percentage has gone from like 54.9 before the season to 54.1, which is still about 1.3% higher than yours. So I think demands going to hold on and keep the number one in Kennesaw state field goal percentage history uh, from you. So, uh, you know, unless things go south and we really hope not, sorry, brother. <laughs> well, no, Hey, that's good for him. <laughs> one, because you love to see it. And, and that's, yes. that's what, I mean, he's great. And two, like he deserves it more than I shot like three shots a game. I was not a scorer by any means. I, I think my career high was 19 and he's putting that up, you know, every other game it seems. So kudos to him and what he's doing. And uh, one more thing before we swing into J-Mac. Um, I also did some research and I found out that Terrell Burden is six blocks away from tying Aaron Anderson from 10th place in Kennesaw State history. How do you feel, Aaron? <laughs> Man, well, D1 I appreciate history. it. No, yeah, hey, you know, I wasn't, uh, I don't know how many blocks I had in my career, but if I had one or two a game, I was I was happy. And Terrell uh, only tell had you. two more full seasons. You know, not that that means anything. Not, not that it means <laughs> anything. Just throwing, just throwing Aaron under the bus here, all in good fun. Yeah. yeah you want to talk about how many more wins Terrell has than me too, or how many more <laughs> three points? You want to go that way? I can't count that high, Aaron. Stop testing me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Enough of that. Let's go, go ahead. And, let's, <laughs> let's go to Jay. Let's go ahead and talk about Aaron's turnovers and. <laughs> Oh, there we go. <laughs> Jay Mack, yes, I want to ask you what, what you think of DeMond and why he's overqualified to be where he is, especially as a coach. I say that somewhat jokingly, but yeah. Uh, well, having played in the ASUN, um, 
dudes that are space eaters like Demond, like he is, he's got huge mass. He is massive, massive dude. And shout out to him and Ronji. They're both from where I'm from, Montgomery, Alabama, and they were huge rivals in high school. Um, I don't think they know that, but I do. Um, well, when he transferred from Murray, I was extremely ecstatic because I knew how good he was from high school. And anytime you're getting a kid, even if he's a bounce back kid from a program like Murray, you know, hey, man, he's he's there's something there. He's just got to find his niche. And like Aaron pointed to, like he, he he does a great job putting himself in positions to just catch the ball, score the ball quickly where he doesn't have to do too much. And that's also the great vision of Bert, a guy like Burton. He, he, he puts the ball in some tight windows for him and credit to DeMond. He's got great hands in those tight windows where he, he can catch those and get uh get those finishes to keep that field goal percentage high. But traditionally in the a sun, when you, de- you have dudes that are like space eaters like that, and they're just massive, they wear on like ki- kids in the a sun and, and like it wears their cardio down. It wears their physicality down. Where can they they can just continue to punish and punish. And uh that I mean, traditionally that's why guys that big and that skilled are so successful uh in ace time. Yeah, and not to get ahead of us here, but we'll talk about this a little bit later. But how rare is it in the ace sun when you have a guy uh that makes Demond Robinson look small? And uh we'll get to the FGCU game soon. Um yes. there's only a couple guys in like the history of the ace sun that I can think of that did that, like maybe Asan Asajula from Lipscomb. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Hurt. Or Amen Hodzik. And uh, no, Amen Hodzik. He was a beast, Hodzik. but he, was, he wasn't, he was thick, but he wasn't that big, was he? Uh, he was like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but he was an absolute monster with his strength and his ability to just seal and post. It, it, the way he posted at angles, probably the best I've ever played against as far as just knowing how to play down there. Yeah, and he had a good point guard of his own in uh, Josh Slater. Tremendous. Yeah. Oh, great call. Nice. Yeah, Slater was Don't a forget him. I mean, when you have a yeah. true point guard in the A-Sun, like a Burden or a Swenson, uh, you kind of, you know, those kind of stick with you. Like, wow, that kid can, you know, really play. Yeah. Hey, and one more thing about DeMond, too. Uh, he, like, when they're, when they're, when he's setting drags in transition, those drag ball screens in transition, like, he he's a great he 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 is a great screen setter when he's really focused on it because i mean obviously burden and coddle are so good at getting downhill and really attacking the rim and putting pressure but like he's so massive man it makes it it wears down those guards defending trying to get around those screens or go under them and they get clipped and just wears on their wears on their motors man and uh he's got to continue to make sure he, he keeps it a focus to like set great screens yeah, and you mentioned um, motors. I mean, Stetson and FGCU, they probably don't have the depth that we do um, or that we can go to, you know, if we, you know, if we need it. Um, you know, with RJ, you know, if you count Frank Juan Sherman, we're like nine deep or something like that, I believe. And, uh, you know, we got three guys off the bench that can compete at a high level, plus Sherman if, you know, he's having a good game. So, yeah, I'll never forget um, DeMond matching up with Jack Nunji in the uh, tournament last year, a guy who had four inches on him. And for most of that game, I think Nunji made a few big plays late down the stretch. And, you know, he got his Twitter moments. But for most of that game, DeMond pushed him around in the paint. And it was just it was a weird thing to see because DeMond, you know, <laughs> is significantly shorter than him. And he's just like getting nowhere on him. So, yeah. But uh, good. 
at JMAC, just, you know, in your opinion, you know, demand was a, a quite a bit bigger last year before he got that cardio in. Um, how much does that extra size, even if it hurts his cardio, how much does that help, you know, keeping up with a guy like maybe perhaps Kelman in the post? Is he more disadvantaged now, perhaps, because he's not as big? No, not at all. In fact, it's the opposite. He, he needs to be leaner and keep that weight off. It may seem like DeMond, DeMond, one of his weaknesses is lateral footwork, moving side to side because of his mass. So he needs to shed that weight, which makes him better to move side to side when you got bigs who really know how to make moves, drop steps, and go in middle for like little baby hooks. He, uh, and, and it's going to improve his cardio and allow him to play more, longer stretches at the time. So it, he, he needs to keep that weight off. He needs to be focused on his diet and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And without, you know, putting in that work, you know, he would have a lot tougher time, you know, uh, getting pro prospects next year as well overseas. You know, if you can only play 20 minutes a game and, you know, in three, four minute stretches. Um, but, you know, maybe Petway was just like, you know, a godsend for him. Like, hey, you know, if I'm going to play this year, man, I need to really put this work in and credit to him. He did it. Yeah, one thing. Uh, don't forget, uh, Coach Kirby too. He's the probably he's the bigs coach there, and I worked with him. He was when I was a GA at Memphis. He was at Memphis, and I worked directly with him with the bigs every single day. And he is a phenomenal developer of talent. He does a really good job, and he he's one of them dudes. Like he he pushes those bigs to the brink of exhaustion. So I I guarantee he's got a huge influence on Demond's too. Love to hear it. Absolutely. Um, so let's finish up some of the Stetson talk so we can move on to the uh, the more exciting FGCU game. Um, so let's run down uh, just what the freshman did against Stetson. R.J. Johnson logged 12 minutes, went three or four from the field, uh, six points, two boards. Um, I thought he looked far more poised than he ever has. He just keeps looking better every single time he's on the court. Um, and then Frank Juan Sherman has kind of seen just a, a shrinking role over the last month or so. He did come in and play five minutes, um, had three points, two nice boards. Um, so honestly, pretty efficient five minutes. Um, but we'll start with you, John. What'd you think of the freshman? Yeah, RJ is just doing his thing. I think, you know, Frank Juan, you know, now that Holt is back, he's gotten, uh, you know, pushed to the, uh, pushed to the bench a little bit and which is fine. He's shown flashes of potential. We've talked about this before. Um, he still has a lot of skill refinement, I think to do, but you know, he has the athleticism. I think he has the tools to work with, to improve his shot a little bit more, um, you know, once he gets some confidence, I think, I think he'll be fine next year, but, you know, obviously I'm taking the guy that played, you know, at Bama and UGA, um, can hit the three point shot and defend at a high level over, you know, Sherman. Um, I mean, was it the Stetson game or maybe it was the Queens game where he came in and committed two fouls in like three seconds. Um, so, you know, but I'm, I'm good with where everything is. Young player mistakes. Aaron, what about you? What'd you think? Yeah, I think, well, Sherman, he's going to. I mean, as long as his mindset's in the right spot, and I have no reason to believe it's not, especially with the the caliber of coaching staff and experience we have on on the roster, like he's going to be fine. He's gonna he's gonna play minimal minutes this season. He's gonna have an opportunity later in the season. I'm sure they're gonna call his number, and, and he'll have to produce, which I'm I'm confident he will. Um, so I'm not I'm not too concerned with his his lack of minutes. Um, and I love I love RJ Johnson getting you know his you know 12 to 20 minutes a game. Um, him getting that on court real time experience um, with his skill set and adjusting to the speed and and the really the the speed of his decision making has to speed up a little bit. 
Um, but I mean, he's getting some some minutes in the game. He can he can make those those in season adjustments and, and grow from that, which which is awesome for a freshman like him with it, with his skill set and his talent. So um, I, I really I have nothing to say really skill wise or you know pointing out the the X's and O's on what they're doing. But I love how we're sprinkling in their minutes and, and getting them developed for later in the season and, and moving forward. Jay Mack, what do you think uh, of the tank of a guard that is R.J. Johnson? Uh, I really, I, I like his, uh, I like his pace, his ability to change speeds and stuff like that. Obviously, um, his body is going to be really good moving forward with like, uh, taking bumps and creating shots for others and actually getting to the rim. I would like to see him lean out a little more. It looks like he could be carrying some bad weight. Um, I th- and they'll, they'll fix that up, uh, as he, as he continues to just go through the process and, and getting in the rigors of college basketball and, and like how serious it is every single day. Um, I'd like to see him tighten it up a little bit. That was my first impression. I could be completely wrong. Could be the way the, the camera is on the TV. I don't know. But that's no, that's what I've been saying, J Mac. I've been saying that for yeah. you know like a month. Like he needs to lean out a little bit, like Demond, you know, yeah. get a little bit stronger, but not as much get that baby fat off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take take uh you gotta cut some carbs out of his diet and it, it'll lean out in no time, especially with conditioning and stuff of, of these programs. Um, but like Regardless of skill, Sherman, I saw him a lot at Grovetown. I'm very familiar with his game. It's exactly what Aaron said. It's, he just has to keep his mentality right. He's got to realize he is on a very good team, and those kids are older than him. And he's just going to have he's going to have to be patient, trust the process, and wait his turn. Um, and and every coach, once conference time comes in, that is the real season. That's where that's where these dudes' jobs are on the line. Their 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 way of life. And the rotation always gets cut. You get to you get to play more, uh, play around with some different rotations when it's non-conference, especially if it's like a high major team that you know you really shouldn't be beaten, and the odds are not in your favor. So uh, you get to play around some stuff. But uh, once the real season gets going on conference, the the, the roster the roster and the rotations are going to shrink, and that's just what's going on. It, there's it's nothing personal. He's just got to continue to work and get better, and he's going to have a bright future if his mind is right. I, uh, I was a little discouraged that he didn't check into the Florida Gulf Coast game. Um, I would like to see him kind of take on like a Simeon Cottle type role last year because I think that was super beneficial when Amir would throw Simeon out there for like four minutes in the first half, maybe four minutes in the second half and really break him in and, you know, just get him his lumps against good competition. Um, so I would like to see Sherman get his, you know, four to eight minutes a game, um, but I'm not coaching. So it's out of my hands. John, I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, I did get a DM in the you know, about halftime of the Florida Gulf Coast game from a, a super fan, a listener, follower, all that. And he's like, I want to put in uh, Sherman, you know, get Holt, get Holt out of there. And I'm like, dude, no, Holt provides defense. He can shoot it. And then Holt comes in like 15 seconds into the second half and makes a three and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, told you so, bro. Um, but no, you guys are absolutely hit the nail on the head. I mean, a guy like RJ Johnson who can come in and contribute even a little bit as a freshman, that's the exception. That's not the rule. And especially like J Mac said, you know, conference play, this is, this is where it counts now. I mean, obviously non-conference counts. It might help with the seeding if we win a game here or there, but it's not going to kill you to, you know, give Sherman some more minutes. And you have to remember, we didn't have Holt back then. So Sherman was forced into it. I mean, think of it. He was starting at the beginning of the season. Um, Now he's, you know, now he's getting do not, did not play. So like you guys said, he has to just keep his mind right. He's going to get there. I mean, the kid's probably, what, 18, 19 at the most? I mean, he's fine. It just, 
like we believe in you, Frank Juan, if you're listening, probably not, but uh, you'll do great, man. Just, <laughs> just go with the flow. I do get it, you know, in like a, in a tight conference game, like, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, where we were trailing for a lot of that game. Um, you know, you want to be more careful with the rotation, but I do think there is value in getting guys, um, you know, reps in those intense situations. You just got to find the right time. Yeah. And, and it might be, you know, a time where, you know, we have a lead or something like that, where we can sneak him in, um, you know, in the first half, we go up to a, you know, a 10, 15 point lead. That might be a more appropriate time. But I mean, even Ranji's getting his minutes uh, cut down and, I kind of like where that's going. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, Ranji was getting a bunch of time at the four, and I'm thinking, why? He's probably our backup five, and now he's just getting, you know, Mondo's spare minutes. And I like that. I like Ranji getting Mondo just playing where he has to. You know, I'd like, I don't like him at the four. We need the shooting. Even Holt and King, they're streaky, but they can hit some three, you know, especially King, uh, but they can hit some three point shots. And, you know, I'd rather roll with one of those guys at the four. Yeah, if you, you, you want to have four shooters on the floor um, with our rotation basically at all times. At least. And, you know, even with Robinson, that's, you know. Right. Robinson's got, halfway there. Yeah. yeah he's a, he's I, a capable, not good shooter. That's what we'll call him. We'll be nice to him. I've always been a believer in Demond. You can go back, listen to the tapes. I've been a believer in you the whole time and you're shooting. Keep shooting, brother. They yeah, also uh, told him to keep popping the threes in the autograph line after the, the game <laughs> on Friday. I said, I said, love seeing that percentage keep going up. I asked him in the press conference, I was like, so are these, you know, falling more in practice or, you know, you just get lucky twice in the game. And he's like, yeah, no, it's looking way better in practice. And then somebody asked him about the one, three hit against stats and that like hit the backboard, you know, toilet bowl around the rim and then fell through. And he's like, Oh, it looked good. Didn't it? That's all that matters. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. Um, but before we fully transition to the Florida Gulf coast game, we'll just go around the room and we'll, uh, we'll do player of the game for the Stetson game. I've got kind of a, a unique pick. I'm going to go with not the obvious this time, but, um, we'll start with you, John. All right. I will also go with not the obvious. I'm going to say a complete team effort. The entire team gets player of the game, good defensive effort. Um, so I'm not picking one player. I think they all deserve credit and I'm going with that. Well, I'm definitely not going to say the entire team. I think as, as a big man, as, as much as that came out as if they didn't play well, they did. But the question is player of the game. As a big man, I think I've picked him on, what, like 60% of the time, rightfully so, for what he's doing. Uh, I mean, you can't ask for more from DeMond Robinson. Um, like this guy, this guy's doing everything. Um, and, and Kai, to your point, when you ask him if, he, if he's getting lucky out there, I, I promise you no one's going to ever say they get lucky um, in a press conference. I don't know if that's exactly how you phrase it or not, but um, this guy this guy has proven a lot of people wrong with how he's playing, So especially shooting the ball. So, Damon Robinson. I'm going to go with the the wing unit of Adam McCoy, King, and, and uh, oh, just their entire unit. They they really they, – they're the ones that put the separation uh, – in the second half with their their corner threes and the wing threes, they, they, they really got hot. Um, when you got Burden, Cottle, and DeMond, like the, the main focus, the playmaking of those two guards and then the interior with Robinson, if those wings can continue to shoot consistently, it, it, they change the entire dynamic of their team offensively. And uh, they did a great job of just making shots, man. Uh, it, that's, that's what the game's all about at the end of the day. Can you make shots? Uh, and, and they did. And, they help they help really take it to another level in that second half i'm leaning to go the uh the jamel route just because i think he's really starting to figure out that six-man role um he's not seeing the starting lineup as much and he's still seeing 
minutes like most of the other starters. So that's more of just a six man shout out to uh, Jamel, who was also four of six from three. I know that the next game kind of we'll, we'll get into those conversations, but uh, I that was I, I came away from that game saying that was impressive from Jamel. I'm glad to see him get a bounce back game like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually my initial inclination, if I didn't have a cop-out answer would have been, you know, Jamel King. Um, also want to give Simeon Cottle a shout out just for his defense contributing. I mean, yes. dude was just, I mentioned this earlier. He was just going at Blackman. He took that personally. I think they got double technicals or whatnot at one point. I mean, the competitive nature in Simeon Cottle, you know, it's it's top notch and i'd love to see it it was some of the best defense we've ever seen him play he was phenomenal um but i'm going to go with a sort of a weird answer just from a an individual encouragement standpoint i'm going to go with ronji gordon because i think he was obviously the the clear pick is demand like he had the best game no doubt um but i don't want to say i'm getting used to him putting up these crazy stat lines but i kind of am it's almost a given when he's healthy um, but Ranji, you know, had kind of a rough Christmas break. Um, and I thought he really, really returned to form. Um, and that was one of the bigger pieces of encouragement I took from the whole game is like, okay, you know, we got a solid backup five. Um, cause that was something that I think we were all starting to worry about over the break when Ranji had a few tough games, you know, at Asheville, I don't think he played too well against Indiana either. Um, so for him to have the game he did in conference, um, and just be the player he is, like Petway talks about, you know, if you ask him to run through a wall, he's going to say, you know, what part. Um, so I was, that, that's my pick. And I'd just like to point out, Kai, that, you know, with Ranji, you know, going to the five, as, you know, I think we kind of all wanted, um, it kind of moves Armani Harris out of the rotation because, you know, he was getting, you know, demands backup minutes. So, Yeah. Well, you know, with Armani, you still have him around. He, we'll probably see him at some point during conference play when guys get into foul trouble because what he is is he's fresh legs. He's a decent enough defender. He's always going to be the fifth option on the court, but he's going to hold it down. Like, I mean, you can tell when he's on the floor with the walk-ons that he's head and shoulders above those guys, you know, even though he might not be up to standard with the other guys in the starting lineup. Um, but you're right. Uh, we're probably going to see less of Armani Harris. It was kind of cool to see him as a rotational piece for a second there because he's a good dude. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and it could be a nod as well, like you guys mentioned, um, you know, going into conference play, things, you know, shift up a little bit. And yeah, Armani's a decent athlete, you know, just doesn't have the size or whatnot and all that. But yeah, he can spell a couple minutes here or there to buy foul trouble. And, you know, perhaps same occasionally with Cole LaRue. But uh, yeah, man, um, that Stetson game was definitely a sight to behold. And let's, I guess, let's start off, start us off on Florida Gulf Coast, guy. Yeah, we'll move on to Florida Gulf Coast. Um, you know, the only Division One game I've missed in two years that just turned out to be an instant classic. So, um, you know, very, very grateful for that. But in all seriousness, we got the win and it was exciting. And it was a great win for the program, even though FGCU has had kind of a weird year, you know, uh, provided us a lot of national attention, which is never a bad thing. Um, But just to summarize for those who weren't there or didn't watch it. um, So in a return to form of sorts, KSU did start slow, letting FGCU jump out to a nine to two lead at the gate. A couple of buckets from Cottle and Robinson kind of weathered the storm, bringing the score even. Uh, Things remained tight throughout with no team amassing a lead greater than six. Um, And then we find ourselves in a position down 73, 72 with the ball with less than a minute to go. Uh, Cottle is unable to hit from deep. FGCU corrals the board and hits both their free throws. And on the Owls' next trip down the court, um, FGCU sends Burton to the line where he missed both ends. The second one may have been intentional. I'm not sure. 
Um, but it came off the rim. Mondo was able to haul in the rebound, um, kicks it out to Cottle on the perimeter where he was fouled, shooting a three-pointer and was sent to the line for three shots. With ice in his veins, Cottle hit all three shots to tie the game up, which I think we were all sweating out because of the uh, free throw shooting on this team, whether or not Cottle might be the uh, the best percentage-wise um, on the squad. But he hit all of his shots, and that was huge. Um, and then what should have been the final possession of regulation, um, FGCU's Ramir Barno turned the ball over. Uh, Terrell Burden took it coast-to-coast coast and hit one of the prettiest game winners you will ever see, fading into the corner. Uh, place goes berserk, buzzer goes off, um, and we improved to 3-0 in conference. Um, I want to start with John and Nick because they were in the building, um, and I was very jealous because I was not. I want to I wanna know what that atmosphere was like and just about how loud it got. Man, that was that was crazy. Um, at the end of the game, you know, we saw the steal. I was trying to record it on my phone, get some content up there. Uh, but my God, it looked it looked awesome live. And, you know, that play by Burden was number two on SportsCenter's top 10. And I thought it was going to get number one as soon as it happened, because I know SportsCenter usually gives, you know, credence to, um, you know, game winners at the buzzer, that kind of thing. But unfortunately, there was another buzzer beater that took number one, even though I selfishly think ours was better. But it was just it was amazing. Um, second best game that I've been to this year. Um, I still, you know, I still prefer the UNC Asheville game. Um, I might get some heat on that. But, uh, you know, uh, th this game was kind of ugly until, you know, the end was great. But throughout, it was kind of, you know, not our best effort. Uh, Nick, what do you think? My entire night was skewed because. We had a lot of younger groups in the crowd. So there were a lot of competitions that we did in the breaks. So my focus was not always on the game the entire time. But when it got down to the end of the game, it got comparatively loud for the for the smaller crowd that was there compared to the game I'm about to reference. It felt like the Lipscomb game from last year in the playoffs. Didn't feel like the Liberty game in the playoffs, but it felt like the Lipscomb game in the playoffs. That place got loud. Like I haven't heard it that loud since that game. And it it it, it just it drives the energy and the passion for 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 KSU more than anything else, seeing an atmosphere like that and and being a part of it. It was it was truly my heart was racing. They had an autograph session after the game that lasted about an hour and a half. And I still think my heart rate had not come down by the end of it. It was, uh, I, I was in, uh, in total awe there at the end of the game. That was awesome. Good on them for sticking around for an hour and a half after the game. That's awesome. I think an hour and a half was generous. It might've been an hour, but still, still after a game like that, I would want, you know, nothing but a shower. Um, did they end up opening up the upper level uh, midway through? They opened up the one half. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, we'll go to Aaron then. I know you were watching uh, from home. What'd you think? Absolutely. I think, I mean, obviously the, the, the environment, the atmosphere looked great in TV, especially the clip that, that obviously we've all seen a hundred times of TV hitting that game winner. Um, the fans looked electric. The place looked like it was rocking. Um, and really it, it felt that way throughout the whole rest of the second half as well. Um, we, we did have a slow start, which I think what we should talk about as well here coming up, but um, we stuck around. I think one thing that stuck out to me a lot was, was our lack of rotation, which we talked about a little bit with the Stetson game. We really we really played six guys. Um, we had Ranji and RJ with six and nine minutes each, um, but we really played six guys throughout. 
Um, got a lot of minutes for our, our heavy hitters, but um, the environment was awesome. That's a game I wish I could have been at. The, the Queens game I was at was was amazing in its own in its own right. But um, anytime we can knock off a Florida Gulf Coast, even even if they are struggling a bit, um, it, it is great for our program and great for our fans. So uh, it was it was a fun one to watch. Jay Mick, what was your reaction to uh, Terrell's game winner in the game itself? Uh, as far as the game itself, I thought it was a complete, uh, 180 from what they did first. And I thought the, the shot selection and the rhythm of their, their team, both offensively and defensively was much different. They weren't very sharp, um, against Stetson. They were, they were really rotating, being disruptive really well. They were all on a string. Um, they, they never got a rhythm. And when you were last segment, you were talking about how, um, uh, Fraquan didn't really get in. You you want to see him get those minutes. I, I, I'm not speaking for Petway, but I can pretty much guarantee you that the reason why a freshman doesn't get in those conference games like that is because when you never really get it rolling, your offense is just never hits those four or five straight possessions where you look like you're getting it rolling. Your defense is is rocky. You just you don't feel comfortable, and uh, he just couldn't find a way to get him in. Uh, when you're just not in a great rhythm with your upperclassmen and those dudes. Um, but uh, like the, the shot selection was real iffy for me. I, I didn't like a lot of the shots they were getting. Um, I tell you, like I got right here, their, uh, their very first four possessions, they had zero paint touches. Like the ball didn't get to the paint one time, just quick shots, quick threes. And then Petway called a timeout and boom, the very next possession, they got three straight paint touches in one possession. Uh, like boom, paint touch, boom, paint touch, boom, paint touch. And then DeMond gets a layup. Uh, so that was a great adjustment. Just making sure, hey, dudes, we got to get the ball in the paint uh, to be successful. We can't, we, we got to, I think they were, they were thinking they were just going to continue rolling up through the momentum from the Stetson game with the shot making. And, and that's, that's what you got to stay away from. Um, but like, yeah, Burden with Burden's shot making and his takeover that entire second half after being a non-factor the entire first half, it just speaks to how how valuable he is, dude. That shot, the the awareness to get out of the middle where all the traffic was, drag it out to that corner, and he stretched out their five man who's not comfortable guarding on the perimeter like that. Just the awareness of the whole situation, uh, just elite IQ, man. I, dude, that dude is so good. Elite yeah. IQ, and and. I would actually like to see the fans. This goes to KSU and, and the way the fans are around it. The, I would like to see the fans get off the baseline so high up. I've always hated that, man. Get them dudes like down there on the sidelines, man, where they can like really, really have an effect on the game. What are we doing, man? Get them down there closer to the floor where they have a real effect on the momentum and, and just the the entire energy of the entire thing get them because like, you'll see them on their phones and stuff they're too they're too far away get them down there closer nick you would know this um but i believe like the it's built to fold out isn't it what the 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 stands behind the uh the baseline like they only are, go down one more notch they don't go all okay. the way to the base line. okay never mind then yeah. um so that's that's a bigger fix to make but uh just about the yeah. shot itself it was one of those where uh he looked so confident and cool with it, taking the tough shot that when he put it up, you kind of had a feeling that it was going to go in. Um, that's the way I felt about it. Uh, and then Nick, you mentioned just like the passion for KSU that was there and I wasn't there. So I didn't know the feeling, but you know, I've, I've been in those atmospheres last year in the, the conference tournament. 
Um, and when you win these games, it's so rewarding because then people come back and they, you know, they get that validation for supporting KSU like they do, and then they bring more people with them. Um, so now going into our first road trip against, you know, two kind of mid to bottom dwelling teams in the A-Sun, I still love North Florida, John, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, we, we have a chance to come back home five and oh and first in the conference you know when our last two home games were a blowout win over a first place team and a, a buzzer beater victory over you know a brand that is fgcu um so uh great stuff i'm really excited to see what the rest of the conference season looks like as far as attendance goes and you know like nick said in our little group chat here on zoom late game tb is just different um he missed two free throws and then he comes back, you know, his mindset is still, he said it in the post-game interview, like, I got this. I'm going to win this. You know, he's a winner. That's what it comes down to. And uh, yeah, Aaron, what do you got? I, I think you mentioned it, right? Like you, when you say he's a winner, I'm immediately, when you think about what he did on the defensive side of the ball, the last 12 seconds, like he is out there to make a play. Like he's not hoping that they miss. Like, yeah, that was a, was a an odd pass. It was pretty much telegraphed where they were going with it, but. <laughs> Like Terrell Burton came up with that steal. Like he he was not out there to to hope that the other team misses. He went out there. He he. It's just his mindset. I'm gonna get the ball. To, to J Max's point, like I'm taking it down. I he is the smartest person on the floor, the highest IQ, and of course he's gonna make that shot. I think Kai, you made a good point. Like that ball goes up. Like you just feel so great about who shot the ball in that moment. And honestly, I would have felt just as good if, if Simeon Cottle took that shot as well. But knowing who Terrell Burden is and who he has been all season long, like that defensive play he made was was miraculous to me. Like, like who does that besides Terrell Burden? Yeah, and I want to pose a question to uh, to uh, J-Mac and to you, Aaron. And I guess we'll start with Aaron. Um, I've always been of the mind, mo more often than not, I hate calling timeouts in situations like that. You have 12 seconds left or whatnot. FGCU, they called the timeout, they got set up, and 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 that happens, and they do that. Um, I just like letting, I've always been of the mindset, let them play. You know, they got the rhythm of the game. You know, the defense has to, you know, set up on the fly, all of that kind of stuff. Um, what's your take? Would you have called a timeout? You know, no, you know, don't do the hindsight. We don't know what happened. Are you calling timeout on that play? So I'll, I'll keep it as short as possible and send it to the to, to coach J Mac over there because he he'll have a better idea. But for me, I think it depends on knowing who your personnel is. Um, go, knowing you know, I don't know exactly who was on the floor, who had the ball in that situation. Um, I, I would need to be more invested in in Florida Gulf Coast to to really have a good idea of what I would do. Um, but to me, it's understanding you know really not necessarily the feel of the game, but you know who has the ball. Um, do we have something? Have we worked on something late game situation where we can do a, a high pick and roll and transition or whatever the case may be? Um, but I am interested to see what coach J Mac would do in, in that situation. First of all, it was off a steal. A live ball turnover is the best time to score. So, and with, I think they said KSU plays with one of the highest paces in the country. You absolutely do not call a timeout on a live ball turnover. The question is really, do you call a timeout off a miss off a make where you have to inbound the ball? Um, like, or off a of made free throw. But the thing was, is he stole it live ball turnover. Obviously you don't call a timeout right there. Your best player already has the ball. Now you don't have to work for him to get a catch on an inbound after a timeout. And the, the score was also tied. So at worst, you're going to overtime when two seconds ago, you were, they had a shot. Florida Gulf Coast could have took a shot for the game. 
So you just let it ride right there. The question was really if Petway, like if they would have made it, what Petway would have done. I, on makes like that, I don't call timeouts. I've lo- I've also lost games like that. I've lo- I lost one in the Final Four my first year by not calling a timeout and just letting my players go make a play. And that's just, it's just personal opinion, man. It's just whatever. Well, well, I guess my question was, if would Florida Gulf Coast, when they had the ball before Bird and stole it, they called that timeout to get set up. Would you have called that timeout or would you have let Florida Gulf Coast just go with it? I I would have. I would have called a timeout because I would have wanted my best defensive personnel on And he may have not had his best defensive personnel in, but he also wants to, they, they've also got scout reports and they, you know, whoever's scouted is, they know what this dude, what, what coach uh, Chambers wants to do uh, at end of games. They have plays that they've seen them run at the end of games and, and they're, they're talking those guys through those actions and whatever may be coming at them. Hey, like if, you know, if this back screen happens, we're switching it or we're not switching. You, you got to really communicate that stuff out in timeout huddles. So, yeah, I thought it was a good timeout. Okay, yeah, I guess uh, Coach Chambers calling that uh, timeout. So I guess you were in favor, even though how it turned out for uh, Florida Gulf Coast. They didn't really do much with it. Yeah, that, 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 that wasn't Coach Chambers' fault, man. I mean, that was an awful pass. Let's just be yeah. real. The dude stared it down yeah. and, and, I mean – Dude, my, my second grader could have stole that ball. That, that was he yeah. read it like a book. His eyes gave it away the whole time from the baseline angle. You could just see the dude was staring it down through. I was like, dude, are you really about to make this pass? Yeah. <laughs> he just took it. He, it was he, awful. He, it was a terrible pass. He addressed like, yeah, he basically just gave it to him. That was insane. And and that's the difference, I think, uh, J Mac, between a you know, a team that knows how to win and perhaps a team that uh, doesn't. Um, a team that you know, can beat Florida Atlantic and a team that, you know, goes to overtime with Florida Memorial. Mm, no doubt. Yeah. How, uh, how big of a deal is it to have a guy like Simeon Cottle that we can actually depend on to, you know, hit shots at the line? I guess he's at 77%, which is good, not great. <clears throat> if you look around the world of college basketball, but still just like how, how clutch were those shots? I mean, not only from a percentage standpoint, but um, you know, just, knowing the confidence Simeon has, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't rather have another guy at the line in that situation. And I think that says a lot about his growth and development as a player and as a leader. I think, yeah, he is 77% for the season, but I would say in, in those moments, I would say Simeon Cottle is an 85 to 90% shooter for like, he loves those moments. Just watching him the past year and a half. Like he, he, he enjoys those moments where the pressure's on him and he can, he can make a name name for himself as well. Go ahead, J-Mac. I'll uh I'll take it back before Simeon got to uh, KSU, man. I, I watched this. I've I've played against this dude three times, two in a preseason in the pre- our preseason game, and once his junior year, uh, which was Jabari's senior year. And uh, his his improvement and the confidence he has in himself, it was it was crazy year to year. And I told him after the game, his junior, year, I was like, dude. You have gotten so much better, man. And I remember I told him on the floor at, at Wheeler, and you know he's appreciative and everything. And I know his pops, and uh, but he he's also from an area. He went to Tri Cities High School. Them dudes get it out the mud, man. Uh, they're straight up blue collar. There, they're as tough as it gets. He is not coming from a place going into KSU where like you got to be a wolf to survive there. You know, the lambs are going to get slaughtered, man. He's just from a tough area and he's, he's different, man. And, uh, I had, I, it was not surprising. He made all three to me. I was like, this dude, he's just from the area he's from, man. Those are just tough dudes, man. 
any any college dudes that come out of Tri-Cities High School, they're tough. They're tough ass dudes. Yeah. So <laughs> moving on to Aaron, Aaron, we already talked about the big man quite a bit. Um, but Demond plays 34 minutes as a great game, puts up 19 and six. Um, ideally, do we want to see Demond playing 34 minutes a night, or is that just kind of situational? Situational. I mean, I know Demond wants to play 34 minutes a night. Uh, <laughs> you know, J Mac made a point earlier as well. Like he 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 has slimmed down quite a bit, but you still he still carries you know a big frame and a lot of weight. That, that you're not wanting him to play 34 minutes a game. Now, games like this, he's he he had to he had to do it, right? Like in and DeMond could sit there and tell you, oh, I could play 34, 35 minutes every night, as any player will. But over the course of the season, when you when you're playing two games a week, three games a week at some point, like not to mention even the the risk for injury, but just keeping your body healthy, keeping your body fresh for moments like like this when when you need a, a you know a, a strong second half push or you need that clutch rebound or or push somebody off the block like it's the minutes are going to add up over the course of a season and with Demon over the course of a career um it's not ideal i think i think 28 to 30 minutes a game is going to be great for him it's going to optimize optimize him while he is on the court and you mentioned earlier kai we have a, a more than capable backup in Ronji Gordon, who is not going to hurt the team or disrupt anything we're doing offensively. So, you know, over the course of the season, bringing those minutes down a bit, but I don't mind it in this game. That one, not at all. Yeah. And like we said earlier, you know, we're not going to get guys that are as huge as, uh, you know, Kelman every day. So we kind of had to, uh, you know, bite the bullet on that and uh, keep Robinson in there because Kelman was making him look small at times. I mean, that dude, that dude can play, man. Oh, my God. Uh, for his for yeah. holy crap he's a beast i, I mean fgcu is always going to be a talented group you know they always recruit well um for their level so it's like any any given night you know even if they're mid to bottom of the conference you know you're going to get um you know you have a chance of playing a decent team that's why i was scared to play him you know in that first round of the conference tournament and then queens ended up giving us hell so uh what do yeah. i know but yeah and I and I thought we got FGCU or close to their best effort tonight. You know, they were coming out, hitting shots, playing aggressively. They they wanted to win. And, you know, it wasn't the team that laid an egg like a couple of nights earlier. Um, we, you know, we we got there. I think we got close to their best. And what do you guys think on that? Yeah, we got we got good FGCU. Um, one random interesting fact is they've lost all their last three games. They've given up 78 points on the dot. So, you know, consistency, but they've been up and down all year. Um, I did think we got good FGCU. I thought we played um, a good game ourselves. So it wasn't, uh, you know, us playing down to our competition. Um, I agree. Absolutely. And and we regressed to the mean a little bit on the three point shooting. You know what I mean? If you, sh- it's, it's the same most of the time in different halves, right? If you shoot like 70% from three in the first half, it's like, Oh God, we're going to shoot 25% from three in the second half. You know, yeah. we kind of got that from game to game. And, you know, Jay Mack mentioned that earlier. I thought, you know, a lot of miscommunications offensively in the first half, you can see the guys like talking to each other after they took the pass. I thought you were going to do this, but you did that. And, you know, you don't have to be a genius to see that things were off rhythm a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, something else I just want to note, um, out of the three conference games so far, I thought the refs were the best in the FGCU game, or the only ones that were even close to competent. And Nick is Nick is looking startled. Um, Rare compliment. Uh, no comment. 
<laughs> okay, so Kai, you've seen all three games. Would you, who would you say was the best refing crew out of all those three games? Queens, um, Stetson, and FGC. It, it was definitely not Stetson. I think Stetson was the worst. It just felt like, especially in the second half, they weren't letting guys play at all. There was like yeah. no, no physicality. I'm trying to remember the crew against Queens. Um, I probably am missing something, but I don't remember anything that bad sticking out. Um, so, I mean, it's between FGCU and Queens. Um, yeah. obviously I wasn't, you know, by the court, so I didn't get, um, as good of a look, um, cause that changes things, but, um, it was definitely not Stetson. I'll say that much. I wonder if, uh, remember Jamie Lucky from the Asheville, uh, road game, who was just getting into it with our <laughs> uh, entire team. He was, he was huffing and puffing down the court every single time. Yeah, he, got, <laughs> he got like butt hurt cause Petway was in his ear the whole time. And he was like. <laughs> You're being disrespectful. Hey, I was like, whatever. John, let me uh I, I wanna back up real quick because I wanna point out something you guys were talking about, you and Aaron were talking about as far as Demond and his minutes. So uh -huh. you gotta remember, like, there's only one day in between conference games and, and conference slate. So uh on the second game, Coach Petway, he, he's thinking like I can extend Demond's, especially because Demond was dominant. He he was consistent. Every touch he got, he was productive just about. He was consistent presence the entire time. And, and in fact, they need to go to him more whenever they start getting real sloppy with some shots and er early in the shot clock and stuff. They they could really use him more, in my opinion, to like settle down and, and stuff like that and play through him just a tad more. I'm not saying you got to dump it down to him every single possession, but they could go through him more. But like when you're on the second end, yeah, you want you don't want his minutes to get too extended because then you're risking injuries, knees, ankles, and stuff like that with how big he is. But when you're in the second game and you're not in a rhythm and he's being really productive, you know, you got days early in the week to get him back fresh rather than the first game of the conference game where, you know, you need to, you need him fresh for that second game in a short turnaround. So like, that's, that's also coaching, man. Like he, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to squeeze five or six extra minutes out of him, especially when he's playing good. Cause and, we got a couple of days to get him rest. Yeah. And J Mac, if you want to do the law of averages or whatnot, uh, DeMond played 25 minutes against Stetson and 34 versus Florida Gulf Coast. So, you know, if you want to play that game as well, you know, we could do, oh, it averages out to about 30, which is probably about where you want him, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, but you, you also got to remember, like, their offensive and defensive rhythm against Stetson was much better. So he could afford to go into the bench where he was comfortable with the rhythm of the game. Like the Florida Gulf Coast game, he, I could tell he just he didn't look he the the entire game was rocky as far as the rhythm on both ends like they just never got it quite rolling which is also a credit to Florida Gulf Coast they played a good game but like when you do that you're you're, you're usually going to stick with your best players just a little longer it's yeah. just natural man natural and, coaching decisions. and uh, J Mac do you think uh, Florida Gulf Coast was playing I I don't I'm not too familiar with them but do you think they were playing that zone to kind of hide their you know seven or eight deep. Uh, stay out of foul trouble, keep their legs fresh against us? Um, or do you think they were playing that zone as a strategical ploy against us? That, that's actually a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that's one of the things I have in my notes is uh, KSU could definitely clean up some zone offense. There was way too many quick shots, like without playing inside out. I'm a big believer in playing inside out zone offense. It doesn't have to be a shot inside the three-point line when you play inside out, but your threes need to come from getting the ball in the paint. And, and where your where your shooters' hips and shoulders are already aligned with the rim and stuff like that, and uh, just putting pressure on the rim at the same time. Uh, and they got away from that, and they was kind of playing right into Florida Gulf Coast's hands. And it's one of those things like if you see them taking bad shots, just 
keep it, keep stay in it. Yeah. Don't yeah. change it up. And we took some out of rhythm, semi-contested threes. I think Cottle might've been guilty of one or two of those, uh, perhaps yeah. some others, um, you know, yeah. and I kind of want to kind of, well, I'll wait till we get uh, into the preview of the next game. I do have some other uh, questions I want to ask you guys, but yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy though, that we were able to take a game where we did not play our best and convey yeah. it into a win, even in difficult moments. And these type of games are invaluable, you know, later on in the season when perhaps, you know, other teams don't have that experience to fall back on, you know, it'll enable us to steal a game perhaps in the tournament and get where we want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> we'll just go player of the game real quick. I'll just say it's Terrell Burden. Are there any objections? Nope. He's my profile picture <clears throat> and keeping him my profile picture. And if any of you guys try to tell me, um, you know, it's not Burden, you know, I'm getting your head checked out and uh, you're off the podcast. So uh, <laughs> you, you like luck. called us all out on Twitter, John. You're like, oh, no matter what they tell me, <laughs> well, nobody, nobody's telling you otherwise, John. I'll That's fight all of you. There. I don't care how big Jay <laughs> Mack and Aaron are. I'll fight all of you. <laughs> I'm just glad so you anybody... picked a player of the game, John. Last Stetson <laughs> game. Oh, so everybody was player of the game. So thank you for picking the right, the right choice this game. And you're giving up uh, participation trophies, man. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got a couple uh scruffles with some hockey dudes that can't saw back in the day, and those are some rough dudes. So, John, you might get you might get destroyed. You come test me, pal. Hey, I don't know, man. I've been <laughs> I've been working out lately. Kennesaw State <laughs> hockey back in the day was really good. They uh they yeah yeah to form, they but they were in the gutter for a little while. They were like a legit like national powerhouse at the club level. Just a weird nugget. But uh, J Mac, are you implying that you have somebody else besides Burden as your player of the game? No, no. I mean, obviously, man, he was dominant the entire second half. But like, if you want to talk about for the entire forty minutes of the game, it was Demond. Uh, yeah. He 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 was consistent both halves, uh, extremely productive both halves. Uh, and like I said, like there was times where they were they were shooting quick shots, like they got to continue to make sure he's not getting phased out of the offense because he was getting great touch. Like he was so productive almost every single touch, you know? And we need to mention this a thousand percent. This has not been mentioned on Twitter enough. This hasn't been mentioned on this podcast enough. If Demond Robinson does not get that offensive rebound off the burden miss, none of this happens. Yep. So you could legit make a case for Demond Robinson for enabling everything that happened and transpired from that point, but I'll still fight all you guys. Terrell Burden. <laughs> and if, uh, if if Robinson doesn't get that rebound, he's probably the leading scorer. Yeah, that's, 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 there you go. So you know, Demond did a tremendous job there. It's you know we can't overlook the blue collar work of these guys, man. You know, Burden gets all the credit. You know, at the end of the game, the first game against Asheville, I was like all up like, oh, Jamel King, you know, Cotto hit that shot at the end, but King is going to get overlooked. But King was getting all the credit. So mm -hmm. I was kind of worried, you know, I wanted to get the right people to get the credit. So Robinson, Cotto, Burden, y'all did it. Y'all got the win. Um, those are the three guys that we came into the season that we needed to count on, plus Adam McCoya, and those guys delivered. Yeah, man, Adam McCoy is Mr. Consistent, um, you know. We don't have time to talk about every player for 30 minutes, but, um, you know, he hasn't had the best of shooting nights. So, you know, he's played better, but, you know, he, he comes out, he plays 30 minutes a game, and um, it's just awesome. But, yeah, so shifting expectations, we uh, we go undefeated in the first homestand. We're 3-0. and uh, Only EKU is uh, also undefeated in the A-Sun. 
Um, how are we feeling at this point in the season? Is, like, as far as expectations go, guys, you know, is it still championship or bust or uh, what's the mood? Well, first off, I want to say shout out to all the EKU deniers. Um, you know, I, they, they're just too good to keep down, man. Uh, they're just too good to keep down. But, you know, I'm saying championship or bust, even though that's not really the case. We know, you know, that's the mindset we got to have. Um, and I think we're well on our way to doing that. We're holding our home court and our women's basketball team is doing that as well. So mm-hmm. six and zero combined in conference, six and zero at home. I'm happy with where we're at. And like Kai said earlier, we have a real chance to be, you know, five and zero, and at worst, probably four and one barring disaster after this coming week. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the Asheville situation. I think if we come back and we're four and one with, you know, a loss on the road against the team that we're better than, I think we're feeling okay still. You know, I think we'll I think we'll take four and one five games into the conference season. And we need playing on the road is different, man. It's a different animal. And we need to prove that we can do that in conference. Um, so, you know, it, the shots might not be falling like they were for stats. And it might be more of an FGCU grind it out type game. Uh, but we need to, you know, use our defense and really stay in those. Yeah. You know, that uh, that Jacksonville gym is a tough place to play. <laughs> or so I hear. I mean, that Jacksonville gym, oh, my God. It's, do they still have the same one from, like, 50 years ago? They got, they got you know, their baskets hanging from the ceiling and pads on the side of the wall, like your typical high school gym. I think the lights went out last year during a game, so it tells you enough. Oh, God. I'm sure J-Mac played there. <laughs> yes, I had a great game there. I had three dunks. Uh I, I love those gyms. I mean, they're, they're so much more intimate, man. Like little band boxes, they get real loud. Those are fun to play in, man. Fun gyms to play in. Old school and not traditional arenas that, that you know, you, the aesthetics of it, but they're still fun gyms to play in because the, the acoustics are real loud. I mean, the echoes and stuff, it's just, it gets rowdy in there. I mean, it doesn't matter how small it is. If you fill it up and, you know, it's an intense atmosphere, you know, it's it's going to get loud. That's right. 100%. But uh, any other thoughts on just, State of the uh, state of the team this year. Before we move on to uh, talking about North Florida a little bit, I would like to add something, man. I just I love seeing Petway continue the momentum of what uh, Coach did last year, man. And he's done a great job of just continuing that type of brand of basketball, man. I love his interviews after the game, man. He's so passionate, so fiery. Like, man, you can't tell me a, a player wouldn't love to play for a dude that's that that intense fighting for his guys, but also when when he's riding them and getting on them. But then he just praises them to the moon, man. Like th- those, those are the type of dudes you'll rock with all day long as coaches, man. And I guarantee he's got an extremely strong relationship with all the dudes in that locker room. Petway's doing a phenomenal job, man. And, and the rest of his staff, they they got a fun team to watch, man. And I am extremely proud to watch a team like that, knowing I, I played for them in the past as an alumni. And he's uh, he's done a great job of paying homage to Amir and you know respecting what he inherited, um, but also creating his own brand and his own identity for the team. So, um, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah, and Petway, you know, after the FGCU game, I'm sure Nick uh, saw this after the big shot. He came up to the the crowd um, and just started like hyping everything up, like screaming, thanking everyone for coming out, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, he took um, my microphone. I gave it to him. Oh. Wow. <laughs> No, but that, he, yeah, he, that was awesome. I, I, Barstool actually put out a, a post. I don't know if this one was on Twitter, but it was on Instagram. And I missed this completely. But after they finally ruled that the shot was good and that the clock had expired, 
he was like doing the owl eyes over his eyes and throwing his hands down by his side saying let's go let's go. like it looked so funny i was like that's gonna be the next ksu basketball gif that gets thrown around a lot i'm like someone needs to to go ahead and uh, get on that for me now that you say it, I remember it. I, I totally <laughs> forgot that, but now that you said it, yeah, he did do that. He did it was so good. His energy is just incredible. My favorite moment so far or memory was at the UNC Asheville game. Um, it was kind of a I think the crowd kind of trickled in slowly, John. I know you remember that. Um, and him just singing um, along to Hard into Paint by Waka Flocka. <laughs> just on <laughs> by the bench before the game, just trying to get guys into it. I thought that was awesome. I guess it's better than being trapped in an elevator. So what can I say? <laughs> yeah, you blamed trapped it in a closet? Question mark. Oh God, let's not let's not Kelly? go into that one. Huh? <laughs> oh no, we don't talk about R. Kelly on the Alchap podcast. No, unless we're playing Austin P. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, moving on. Let's talk about. <laughs> uh, I want to throw in. A I'm cutting that. <laughs> go ahead, J Mac. Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh my! <laughs> oh man, interesting episode. It's <laughs> a great episode. Hey, if you stick around for an hour twenty, which is what we're at right now, you deserve to hear everything. So, shout out to you guys. We're like basically drunks at this point, waiting for the final call. So, uh, you know, it's it's fun. At for the record, in. to my knowledge, we are all completely sober. It is like we started <laughs> at ten a.m. Guys, please don't listen to John. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak for you guys, but uh, yeah, I'm sober, unfortunately. Uh, that's two of five. Anyways, um, let's talk about North Florida a little bit before we get off because this has gone uh, very long, but it's all been good. So, you know, no complaints. Um, so North Carolina, uh, not North Carolina, North Florida is a two and one conference and their only loss is a one point loss on the road at Stetson. Um, and what scares me is they shoot the absolute lights out. Um, Chaz Lanier is one of the most underrated players um, in the conference. He puts up... 16 points a game and his splits are ridiculous. I mean, he's putting up like, um, let me pull it up. He's got, you know, he's almost 50% from the field, 44% from three and 82% from the line. I mean, he's just like an insane pure scorer and he's not the only one. I mean, they've got guys who are shooting 40%, uh, 39%, 37%, 35% all from deep. Um, So like you said, you know, they shoot the hell out of the ball. Um, They don't have a ton of size, but um, if those shots are falling, then, um, we might get a shootout out of this one. Yeah, Chaz Lanier seems as dangerous as Lake Lanier. My God. Um, but, uh, you know, UNF, you know, UNF, they shoot the most threes in the country by a long shot. It's not even close. It's like 100 more, probably more than that than the next closest. So um, I'd like to see us, you know, play our uh, big wings and use our size to the advantage. I mean, they start, uh, I think Dorian uh, James, I forget his name. Um, I've seen him play before. He can do a little bit inside. He has some, he has some moves. He can also shoot it a little bit. Good player. He's shooting 40% from three this year. Yeah. Yeah. Not tons of shots, I think though. Right. But he can do a little bit of everything, but yeah, we don't need a Demond Robinson, we could probably get away with, you know, Jamel King on him inside or something like that and stretch it out. So we can match up really well with them. I'd like to just get in their face. Don't let them shoot it, make them drive it. Um, And also, you know, something that might work to our advantage. Um, I remember North Florida, you know, usually they don't have a lot of athletes, so they play a lot of zone. And, you know, I don't know if uh, J-Mac and Aaron remember, you know, Matthew Driscoll's been there forever, I assume, since you guys were in conference. He loves to do the zone and playing coming off that FGCU game that might help us out a lot 
we can make our fixes, make our corrections and go in there ready to play. Yeah, um, you mentioned um, we're not going to really need demand on the defensive end, but I think offensively um, we should be attacking the paint a whole lot. Um, I think we're also going to need a big game from the wings. Um, I could see like a, if, you know, we get in like a, sh a shooting race with them, you know, big nights from Adam McCoya, maybe King, hopefully Holt steps up and gets back into double digits. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, J-Mac was uh, Matthew Driscoll was there when you played, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, an unbelievable coach. He plays a brand of basketball that's maybe the, the most beautiful and most fun to watch in the entire conference. Mm -hmm. He's an elite coach. Do you remember any, do you have any memories playing against him, anything like that, or anything that he does that, that sticks out to you that you can recall? No, I, I've watched him over the years, man. I think just the, the involvement of his coaching style, man, he's really gone to more uh, spread offense. Um, we run a lot of split cuts and high ball screens and, and really spacing dudes out. When I played, it was more traditional. And uh, but he he's evolved as, as the years have gone by, man. I mean, you, you don't stay, you don't stay a head coach at a division one institution that long these, these days, unless you do a phenomenal job, it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game. They got to run them off the three point line. Uh, the, the thing I would like Kennesaw not to do is traditionally in the a sun, when you got great shooting teams, they're not great defenders. And I'm not, I'm not sure North Florida, I'm just assuming, but we got to make sure we're attacking the paint and letting our threes come off our attacking and not try to get in a shooting war with them. And, uh, just let it happen organically, but definitely got to put pressure on their shooters and make them defend, man. Make them defend. Yeah, I agree. And they are a better three-point shooting team than us. Much better, I believe, percentage-wise. Right, Kai? Yeah. Um, I can pull up the official number while I'm on sure. the page if I can find it. But Sure. Let's go to Aaron, though. What do you remember about playing North Florida? Any memories there? Who was there when you were there, Aaron? Was it like Bebe Daniels, I think? In they did have him. They had a... Uh... Um, what was his name? Parker Smith, I think. Um, he was like 6'3, 165 pounds. Shooter. Probably shot, yeah, eight threes a game, made five. Um, he sticks out. Um, I think moving on to our game here, like I I fast forwarding, you know, foreshadowing, I think our defensive our, or excuse me, our player of the game is gonna be on the defensive side. I think our wings are Jamel King, Quincy Adamakoya, Juson Holt, like they're gonna play a big role. Um, they're gonna North Florida is going to get their shots up. We're not going to like no team has stopped that. And I don't think that should be our goal, but J Mac brought it up at the beginning of the podcast. Like we're going to have to have pressure. We're going to have to deny. We're going to have to have active hands in the passing lanes. Um, we're not going to make it easy. And I think we do match up well on that regard. We have lengthy wings that are going to disrupt them a little bit. Um, and we have to take advantage of that defensively. So um, I'm excited to see how we, how we attack uh, defensively and, and make it difficult for North Florida. Yeah, so, John, to answer your question, uh, they are better than us, but not by a ton. They're at 35.3% as a team, and we're at 32.9%. Um, so they're just a tick above us. Okay, okay. Yeah, and and to your point, Aaron, I'd love to see us mix up the defenses a little bit more in this game as well, you know, um, just get in their heads a little bit, make them, you know, think twice. So. Yeah, but game's not till Thursday, so we get plenty of rest, and we'll be able to talk about it more on the midweek, so good stuff. If there's a game we're going to lose on this road trip, it's probably going to be UNF, and if we lose that, I don't think there's any shot we go out and lose to Jacksonville, um, but we'll see. Yeah, Jacksonville, I think, is a few steps behind a UNF. Didn't the, did they, they played, right? UNF, UNF, UNF beat them 82-74 to 74 at home um, last night, or the night of um, KSU-FGCU. 
Wow, Jacksonville's really fallen. I mean, they were everyone's hot pick, I think, with that new coach or whatnot a year or two ago, and now they're, you know, really struggling. So that just shows, you know, how, you know, the margin of error in terms of how things work. Thanks for joining us, J-Mac. Um, you know, we hope to have you on here again. Um, you're open invite. Welcome anytime to uh, come on and uh, shoot the shit with us. Dude, I love talking Kennesaw basketball. I, I love, I appreciate the invite and uh, glad to meet you two guys. And uh, Aaron, it's always a pleasure to see you, man. Uh, I absolutely love what you did for the Kennesaw State Owls, man. And I hope you're well. And uh, doing great, dude. I appreciate that, man. Good to see you. I know you're doing big things out there in, in Georgia high school basketball and, and even getting these guys developed to to go to the next level and beyond. So a uh, big part of my career, you starting it up. So good to see you again and, uh, and hope all is well with you and the family. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with the midweek on uh, Thursday. Everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millett and at KSU Owl Howell. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owl!